Hi, this is Sharon Small, founder of the Clean Language Institute, and thank you for listening to Segment 1, a conversation with Penny Tompkins and James Lawley. In this seven-and-a-half-minute segment, Penny and James talk about the workshop they're going to be offering in California, January 2019. Now, don't worry, it's not all just dry information about the workshop. It's really quite a deep conversation about clean language, working in metaphor, and how this kind of thinking and questioning model can help you in your work and life. So enjoy segment one, and then we'll see you again for segment two. Hi, I'm Sharon. I'm the founder of the Clean Language Institute, and I'm here again today with Penny Tompkins and James Lawley just to talk a little bit more about the workshop they're going to be doing in January, um, Symptoms and Systems and a Clean Approach. So, Penny, you mentioned that you have a really great example of a client and um, some discoveries they made about their symptoms. I'd, I'd love to hear that story. Yes, I do have a story about that. The client came and his metaphor was that he was laying on a hammock by the beach and the longer he lay there, the more clutter and junk was washed up around him. But he was too comfortable to get up and do anything about it, although he hated it there. And he lay there comfortable and it just kept getting worse and worse around him. As it turned out, the client had chronic back pain and had been given exercises by his doctor that he was supposed to do regularly. But somehow he kept forgetting to do the exercises until a few years had gone by and the pain became almost unbearable. But he didn't want to go back to the doctor because he was afraid they would say the same thing again that he had to do regular exercises, and he knew that would provoke the pain, and that's the last thing he wanted. So we worked with his metaphor, we worked with his desired outcome, and then he got clear. The binding pattern was the cure increases the symptom. The question then became, how could he go through or get past the initial pain of exercise until his back was strong enough that the pain would be reduced? So the problem was not the pain. It was his relationship with the pain of doing exercise, which was why he had to prioritize avoiding the in-the-moment discomfort and thereby sacrifice the long-term benefits. He came to see that the pain from the exercise was a signal to continue, not to stop. And then he developed a long-term outcome. He assessed a resource of persistence and came up with a mantra, short-term pain for a long-term gain. So that was his journey through his metaphor and his discovery. That's really interesting, Penny, because um, I don't know that um, people that I talk to that are in pain, like my sister with her knee, if she ever thinks about the relationship she has with her pain and how that's so different to what you just described. So, James, I'm really curious, how does this kind of relationship with his symptoms work systemically? Yeah, so... 
Let, let's think about what, what's the dynamic that's going on here and see how it applies in other areas, you know, like, um, like groups or families or organizations. So, um, so what's happening is a person is in a, a measure of comfort or a system is a, a, a operating within a measure of comfort. But in order to improve, in this case for his back to get better, then it, then it has to go through some discomfort. Um, and it's not difficult to imagine organizations that need to face a, a, a tough decision, but somehow you never quite get round to it. The meeting doesn't get arranged, it gets postponed. There's all these other emergencies that have to be dealt with first. And so that never gets dealt with. And then what happens? You run through that cycle a whole number of times. Um, and you're in exactly the same position as this guy with his back pain and his exercises, which didn't get done, and his back that got worse. Um, and generally speaking, what happens is the, you know, the pain has, gets strong enough or the crisis gets strong enough that the, the system goes through some threshold that it, um, it needs to do something about it. Or if it's sensible, it addresses it earlier. And um, the way that Penny talked about um, understanding the dynamics such that a change could occur. That's exactly what could happen in an organization or a, a family, for example, who was stuck in this same loop. So how does, how does clean language and the thinking behind and the use of clean questions, how does that work with this kind of dynamic differently than most other ways? So... The whole, I mean, clean language questions are the, the thing that people know about clean language. They're the, 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 what you can see in here. Um, but there's a kind of whole way of approaching another person, if we take an individual as an example, um, and their inner world. And uh, the, um, what we do within the clean world is we take the person exactly as we find them we have no intention that they should change and that the questions are um, helping them to reveal the system to them is the system to reveal itself to itself and um, something very fascinating happens when there's no desire to try and change that the client himself, of course, wants to change. He wants to be out of pain, or the organisation wants to get through the crisis, or uh, or improve their what whatever it is they want to improve. Mm. But as facilitators, we we don't hold that. We hold this modelling perspective, which is let's find out how it works. Let's reveal the dynamics, the plays that are involved. If there are binding patterns which hold themselves and perpetuate it, let's shine a spotlight on that and then let's find out what happens to the system when that feedback is is uh, built companies the system gets that feedback it, and a couple of things can happen it either starts shifting because of the feedback in which case great you follow the shift or it has to find some other way to not deal with the feedback um, either by um, upping the, the, the binding pattern, finding new methods of ignoring it. Um, there are all sorts of fascinating ways that people and, and systems do that. But in principle, 
this the something has to happen and then we follow whatever happens and and, and repeat the, the the cycle of that over and over uh, and follow it wherever it goes it's not a predictive process we can't say where it will go